Our first reading today comes from the fifth chapter of the Acts of the Apostles as it recounts the actions of the early church following the resurrection of Jesus. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as the leader and savior to, for, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Whom they heard this, when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill him. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days Thaddeus rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the, that the Christ is Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. What happened? I mean, what happened? I know some of you are probably wondering, Pastor, you started your sermon two weeks ago the same way. What happened? <laughs> is that two weeks ago on Palm Sunday, we asked that question. What happened to those very ones, the crowd that had gathered to Jesus on that Palm Sunday as they welcomed and celebrated, praised, and worshipped. But today we have to ask the same question. What happened to those disciples? What happened in the midst of these very things that even the very readings that we have today seem so far apart? As we step in to the midst of that first Easter evening, in John chapter 20, we once again rejoin those disciples who find themselves still downcast, downhearted, and simply depressed by all that had happened. They were afraid, scared and fearful, there behind locked doors out of fear of those Jewish leaders and others who had put Jesus to death that they might be after them as well. They were scared. They were scared and afraid. They were concerned and worried. They still found themselves simply beaten up and tired over these harsh and emotional days that their Lord had died. And now on this day, in the midst of all of their sorrow and sadness, they now still hear of this body that is now missing, of these grave cloths that are still there neatly in the tomb that they hear these women 
coming and gathering in these very calls of hysteria that he is risen and we have seen him. They just don't know what to make of it, what to do. And so they remain locked and hidden away, perplexed and confused, trying to make sense of all that had happened. But then we get Acts chapter 5, where these very same disciples, you know the ones who ran away when those soldiers came on Maundy Thursday? The very ones that were so concerned about saving their skin that there was even one that while he ran away didn't mind the fact that his cloak simply left him and he ran away naked into the night. That they were afraid. Not only did they flee, not only did they abandon, but they betrayed, they denied that Peter even cursed his Lord that night. That these same disciples now find themselves in front of the same high priest, the same group of the Jewish Senate, the Sanhedrin, before 70 leaders of this nation as they stand there, arrested and questioned and commanded and told. And now how do they react? Bold courage do they stand there that day professing their Lord. What happened to those who had once fled, ran, simply so scared that Peter even now has the audacity to stand before those that they were so afraid of that he now says to them that we must obey God rather than you. The God of our fathers has raised this Jesus Christ, whom you killed by hanging upon the tree. But he has raised and exalted him at the right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of Israel sins. I mean, can you imagine that? You know the God that you guys say that you believe? The God that you are resisting at this very moment? The God that you killed the very Messiah that he sent? What's gotten into Peter? I mean, family and friends, Bystanders and the crowds all are asking that question. Is it what's up with Thomas? What's going on with James and John? There's something different about them. That gone is all of the arrogance and the fighting and the arguing of which one is greater. Gone is all of the pride and all of the fighting that comes with those who like to be the very best. Gone is all of the times that they stumble and make mistakes. All is gone of those very places where they have the wrong answer in the wrong place and are there to somehow lecture Jesus. No, they have been changed. They find themselves here in this midst that this is now 
the second time that they have been arrested and tried and brought before the same people who had killed their Lord and threatened their lives. And yet each time that they find themselves bold, bold in their proclamation, bold in their confession, bold in their very humility and care of saying that we will honor and respect you, but we cannot listen to you. That it all started when Peter found himself one day traveling through that, that temple of Jerusalem and simply saw a man who was there that he healed this blind man and he proclaimed in whose name this healing happened. And it all came rushing from there. As Peter now proclaimed to the crowds of who it was that this Jesus is and what he had accomplished. And those disciples found themselves dragged this way and that, threatened and commanded and sent out and told. Do not preach in this name. And yet, what did they do? They filled the city with that name. They filled the very sound of all who were talking in that time of their Lord, of what he had done. But I love the progression as we see in Acts 4 and 5. So first off, the leaders are annoyed. <laughs> annoyed at these pesky little ants from up north that had come on down proclaiming such things. But then they were astonished that fishermen, tax collectors, and other unworthy and unlikely types could have such wisdom, such power, such courage that they were astonished at the sight. And then as more and more began to be added each and every day, and as more and more that name of Jesus filled the city, they became jealous. And now as Peter once again accuses not just someone out there, but you guys right here, that you put this Jesus to death they find themselves in a murderous rage, ready to kill them. I mean, what happened? I mean, in the midst of things, we all know the normal things of Easter. That we know that Palm Sunday begins to get that excitement, that we begin to look forward to all of those things that we will hear and proclaim, and that hope, and that peace, and that promise of that forgiveness of sins that is proclaimed because Christ died for us. The joy of Easter that we gather in packed churches celebrating and giving thanks that our Lord is raised. That we find ourselves in the midst of those days changed with joy and hope and promise. But how quickly normal life returns. Then why didn't it return for them? <laughs> is it what is it that we see of these disciples? Is that it was too real? <laughs> that this wasn't somehow just kind of a nice thing. <laughs> this wasn't just kind of a high point. 
man, I really love that service, and then we can go on with our lives. No, this was something that was more real than we can ever begin to put to our minds. That what does Peter say to us in our epistle today? That though you have not seen him, you have loved him. That though you do not see him now, that you find yourselves in the midst of that rejoicing with that joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. But how does John begin his first letter? That John begins this way. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, looked upon and touched with our own hands concerning that word of life, the life that was made manifest among us, that we have seen it and we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim to you. These were those who saw him, heard him, touched, lived. Indeed, they tasted with him those very pieces of fish that he ate in Luke 24, or those fish that were caught and gathered and grilled in John 21, that they found themselves dining with the Lord. That I don't know if you know this, that all cultures always, that ghosts don't eat. <laughs> it goes right through them. And yet here are these disciples who not only see and hear, but they taste with the Lord. This isn't some sort of group hallucination that it was far too real. Do we grasp that? how real that resurrection is and do we let it change? Not that we have hope for a day or someday when we die, but that we have a hope for today that our Lord is risen and He is now seated at that right hand. That He is looking over us. He is giving us His grace, watching us and caring for us that He is there. But even greater than that, that these disciples find themselves dealing with all of the abandonment, all of the betrayal, all of the cursing and the denial that they themselves have done. If there is anyone who is unworthy, they had to admit it. They had to deal with that. And yet it was because these, who were brought so low and had been lifted so high, that they began in the words of Paul to grasp just how wide, how long, how deep that very love of Jesus is. That do we do the same? Or do we find ourselves often doing it as I hear the big three? Denial, projection, and minimization. Is that we deny the very things that we've done. I'm still denying some of those things that I did as a kid to my mother. 
No, maybe I just haven't confessed them yet. (laughs) But don't we sometimes deny those very things that we know we've done wrong or deny that we have done or deny the severity of what they are? Or we simply uh, project upon others that if you knew my situation, that if you had my upbringing, if you had this or you went through that, then you would understand why I this. Or we find ourselves minimizing our own need of that grace. That why were these disciples so changed? They were changed by the gospel. (laughs) That they who were so far from Jesus were those who were welcomed back by Jesus. (laughs) That those who found themselves unworthy of him were those that were the very first made worthy by him. (laughs) Then what do we hear tonight? What do we hear on this Easter evening reflection that Jesus now calls them, speaks peace to them, and sends them to proclaim what? The very forgiveness that they themselves have received. That that changes a person. It changes who we are. It changes how we see things. That those disciples who stood before the high priest and his very leadership that day were changed. Because they had repented. That they were led into that forgiveness and led into that place. For repentance isn't pretending. Pretending that that you're a different person. Is that repentance isn't simply figuring out new ways to do old sins. (laughs) Repentance isn't simply about feeling sorry because we've been caught. Repentance is acknowledging and admitting of the very grace that we needed. (laughs) That they were changed. Not only were they confident, but they had a humility about themselves. That when they were sent out that day, what were they given? Another command and another demand to stop preaching in this name. And for good measure, they beat them and sent them out. And what did they do? They rejoiced. They counted themselves honored to be dishonored. Who does that? But when we consider the grace that we have received, that it changes our perspective, that it even changes our perspective on those frustrations, those sufferings, those difficulties, those pains, because of that very gospel that not only does God have for us, but that he has for others. That all of our readings today call to us to come and receive that gift of that risen Lord. But each of these readings call for us to go and to share that very gift. So, Pastor and Ruth, as you began your ministries many years ago, and then you find yourself in the midst of things, I don't think that probably all of those days have always been, man, that was a great one. But indeed, 
What an honor it is to be in the service of others, is it not? <laughs> that what an honor it is that even in the midst of things, of the sufferings, the frustrations, the pains, the difficulties that go in to serving and to seeking the lost, and for the sake of others that they might have the gospel, isn't that the very gift that we have? <laughs> that we give thanks to God this day, that not only for faithful workers in his kingdom, but for faithful people in his very flock, that we see the sake of others as the very calling of our church that we may have that forgiveness and that grace and that we may rejoice that Jesus has given us that gift. But may we invite others to that table and invite others into that very gift that we may be forever changed, that others may look at our lives and say, what happened? Jesus happened. The gospel happened. And that peace of God that surpasses all understanding that will guard your hearts and your minds, that that is what happens in our lives. And so may he give to you this day and every day that very blessing. Amen.